My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We set off on the, on the rally during the day and just driving through towns, waving to people and seeing the sights and seeing rural India. And then it's a, a grand celebration and a big dance party and dinner. And it, these things need to be celebrated properly, right? You're, you're doing good and the people that are there are all wild and crazy characters that are stepping away from their daily life to, to, to raise money, to be part of a movement, uh, something, something creating good in the world. Welcome to A Way to Go, a production of iHeartRadio and Fathom. Hello and welcome back, or welcome to, if you're just finding us, A Way to Go, where we talk to interesting people about why they travel. I'm Gerilyn Gerba. And I'm Pavia Rosati. And we're the co-founders of Fathom. Our interesting guest today is Waris Alualia, the actor, designer, entrepreneur, and humanitarian. Maybe you know Waris from such movies as I Am Love, The Darjeeling Limited, and The Grand Budapest Hotel, all incidentally great travel movies set in Milan, India. Germany. Or maybe you know him from fashion collaborations with Gucci and Tory Burch, to name just two of many. And if you live in New York City, you may have even popped into his latest project, House of Warris Botanicals in Chelsea, a tea shop by day and zero-proof botanical bar by night. And although your many creative projects takes you all around the world, Warris, um, that's not what we're going to talk about today. No, no, Not no. entirely. No. Today, we're talking about a trip you take every two years to India, where, along with 100 other people, you compete in a very friendly, non-competitive, 500-kilometer, five-day rally through the Indian countryside. Waris, first of all, welcome. Second of all, what is this about? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, both of you. Well, it's, it's about raising funds for elephants and trying to end... Loosely, to jump right into it, uh, human-wildlife conflict, but to do it in an interesting way, to do it in a fun way. I've spent most of my life trying to find solutions for problems uh, that face us, that face humanity, but to, but to uh, always approach them in, with, with laughter and, and smiling and dancing. So that's, that's kind of what, that's the short, short answer. Can you tell us what, what is the plight of the... Asian elephant. Yeah, absolutely. Wait, I want to pause for a second, and I want to say, I think um, all this acting and designing business is really good, but if you want to solve the world's problems by dancing and making people smile, I think you should run for Senate. (laughs) Oh, yes. Is that that what they do? Is that what they do in the Senate? No, I think that's what we should start doing in the Senate. (laughs) It's the only only option. It's the only way. Um, Problems are going to exist. You know, conflict is going to exist. We, we, We sort of have to accept that. So then they, but our approach is, is flawed. And what do they say when you keep using the same approach and you keep doing the same thing but expect different results? Yes, it's the definition of insanity. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't, you know, it, it's just like, hello. Right, let's learn from our history. Mm. Yes. Or we'll be condemned to repeat it. Yeah. So, sorry, back no. to Gerilyn's question. Tell us about the elephants. So the, I work with an organization called Elephant Family, and the 
work they do is to preserve the Asian elephant along with all the other little creatures uh, that exist alongside with the elephant. And the we, we exist, you know, the, the most common problem that people talk about is poaching. It's a very simple problem to, you know, to to see and to put on a board or to understand there's a bad guy with a gun and there's a good, you know, and then there's the good guys. What the real problem is, particularly in Asia, is that it's not that simple. The bad guy is us, right? The bad guy is us because it's the elephant and wildlife and the habitats and nature and the forests fighting for their dear life against us needing more resources, us needing more land, us needing more, right? That desire for building and cities growing. And so it's, it's the human population, the growth of the human population. And you've got wild spaces fighting with developed spaces. And so that's the biggest problem. And that's a harder problem to tackle because it's, you know, you, you go, oh, I'm the problem. Right. Oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm the problem. And how do, you, how do you deal with that? And so the work is to protect as much of that habitat from loss. So to summarize what you're saying, it's not just the obvious problems that we think about when we think about the evils when it comes to elephants, but just the very realistic problem of humans and animals are competing for the same space. Exactly. And so this results in elephants trampling on farms and elephants just not being able to do what comes naturally in their migration patterns and things like that. Bingo. So let's pick a region, the Anamalai Hills in, in South India, where you've got tea estates, coffee estates, cardamom growing, black pepper growing. And those were the same roots that the elephants used to take called elephant corridors, right? Wildlife corridors. And you've got the elephant going on their merry way at night, whatever time it is, it's dark, there's no street lights, and they come across a person, two people. The elephant is as frightened as that person is. Unfortunately, the elephant is bigger. So, the, you know, when the elephant freaks out, you might get trampled. And then you've got human-wildlife conflict. And then, you've, and then the village retaliates. The village goes after the elephant. Or, you know, the, you know perhaps the elephant's eaten your crops or, you know, gone through your, the, through your little village. You've settled your village on an elephant corridor. So no one's really... Wrong, you know, because you you need land, you need space. You know, so it, it, it's difficult because there's no real. It's not as clear. It's not as black and white. And so that's that's what happens. And you know, one of the projects. You know, and, and we'll get to the like, we'll get to the race. Um, one of the projects that got funded from the the first race uh, where we raised. And I keep saying race, and it's not a race. And I got to keep reminding people. At, and by people, I mean myself. Right. It's 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 a rally. It's it's a friendly rally that that turns. Kind of rate, fiercely very, very competitive. Fiercely competitive. The last <laughs> one hour, and it, and it cannot happen again. But there's a conservationist down south who uses a very simple system, an SMS system, to uh, warn other, uh, warn people around the town, around the city of elephants. So if you spot an elephant, you just say, "There's an elephant here," and it's changed the lives of over seventy thousand people in in those communities, and it's decreased elephant human conflict. And is that one of the projects that the organization you work for has helped fund? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So they're doing different different projects and taking different measures to basically make things act as a mediator between people and the elephants. Yeah, looking for projects that are that are also community driven, that also come from the bottom up, that involve the community versus just here's your problem, 
we're going to come fix it. It's more like it's solutions that are coming from within the community, conservationists within that, that work there, that work within that space, and that, that involve the community. Um, another one of the th- projects we funded was um, moving a village that, w- that had settled in an elephant corridor. And they w- so imagine every night an elephant walking through your little Main Street. Little Main Street. And, and that a very little Main Street. And doing they, trash a lot and of damage. Going, doing a lot of damage and breaking the hut where you store your rice wine. Elephants love rice wine. They're not dummies, those they're, elephants. They're not dummies. And so, you know, they and they eat your crops. And it's not a big farm. It's just basically crops for yourself and, and your your family and, and the community. And so they, they eat your crops. Your, your children are in danger. It's, it's not a safe setup. And so we... We moved the community voluntarily with the local government and the local community, the local leaders, and we moved them to higher ground, gave them better farmland, and you know made made a difference for a hundred villagers, and that that has a huge impact in in a you know it, it as bigger ripples. Right, it's a domino effect. It's a domino essentially. effect. All right, I'm glad you brought up the government because I'm going to ask an obvious and a stupid question, which is how involved is. A government? Do people need permission to establish these villages? Can they just go anywhere? Is there some sense of these are migratory routes that are protected? People generally can see, it seems they set up villages anywhere and villages start to grow. And they, the, what we're fighting for is to protect these migratory routes with, with the governments. But you're talking about Un- slightly uncharted territories, right? Spaces that that aren't uh, developed, and you're talking about sort of off the beaten path, out of the main cities, and 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 a lot of times people that have been left unaccounted for, right? So so tribes and and you know just so it it gets hard to manage uh, the that kind of growth and that kind of movement. So if we're talking about tribes that are not that are a little off grid. I'm assuming these are tribes that have a stronger sense of the nature that they're in because they're relying less on government and city types of resources and Ubers and more on the environment that they find themselves in. Absolutely. So I would think that these are people who are very keenly aware of the animals that they're coexisting with and who do have a sense of this is a land that we have to share with the elephants. Is there just a sense of, but we take priority because we're humans and we need to be here? It's the human existence. They also just need land. They need a home. And so it, they, they are connected, but that's, that's where that gray area, where there's really, you know, hard to say who the, they're not, they're just, they're just trying to exist. They're just trying to live. They're just trying to raise their families. And that's, you know, so how do you call them? How do you say they're the bad guys? Right. It's right. complicated right. because it's, it's we don't really have. Well, yeah, to a certain extent, the, these groups of people perhaps are, are in the same position as the elephants in which they're getting squeezed out. They're being pushed to the fringes, and they're competing, as you said, for the space. Every family has skeletons in their closet. Mine certainly does. Ones that go back a hundred years and reach thousands of miles back to our hometown in Sicily. Ever since I can remember, my relatives told the story of my great-great-grandmother who was killed by the mafia. I'm Joe Piazza, and in my new podcast, I'm taking on a generational vendetta, visiting the scene of the crime, confronting mafia experts, tracking down Italian officials, and even consulting mediums to set the record straight on my great-great-grandmother's mysterious disappearance. 
And in between the fact-finding missions, I'll be drinking a lot of wine and eating all of the pasta. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go back to the rally. Yes. So the rally, Elephant Family, was founded by Mark Shand, the the late Mark Shand, the um, brother of the Duchess of Cornwall, Camilla, if we're keeping track of these things and watching The Crown obsessively, um, who was a great humanitarian and conservationist who who dedicated a lot of his life to protecting the elephants. The uh, race was inspired in part by his book, Travels on My Elephant, which told the story of his adventures with Tara, the elephant who he rescued from the city street and brought to safety. He did indeed, and that's what gave birth to this to this race, now called Travels to My Elephant. Rally. Rally. Paint the picture for us. What happens? We set off from London. That's where Elephant Family is based. And we head to the first time was Madhya Pradesh, so the rural Madhya Pradesh in, in sort of middle middle of India. The second race was in Rajasthan, and we went from Jodhpur to Jaipur. So usually 400 to 500 kilometers, five days of, of, a, of a rally. And the, it's, as, it's, as you said, it's about, it's about 100 people. And the first time, it was all on tuk-tuks. So... What imagine. a sight yeah. that must have been. Tuk-tuks, auto rickshaws, whatever you like to call them. How, how big it, were the teams? Sorry, yeah, Geraldine. I was yeah. going to say, is it every man for himself or woman? No, it's uh, teams of two to three, right? The three is, you know, not uncomfortable in the back. Two, two people, you know, you, you've, I mean, you've seen, I mean, if you've, if you've been to India, you've seen uh, tuk-tuks with, you know, 15 people in them. So, <laughs> so three people is quite roomy. 12 uh, people on a moped. Yeah, this yeah. is traveling in... Great leisure. Yeah. So it's, you know, when when we got there, or at least when I can speak for myself, when I got there, I, I imagined that, you know, we'd be going on Indian roads sort of that were blocked off, that were, you know, maybe there's like a police escort in the front, a police escort in the back, and, and the roads were being cleared off. Just, just I, I imagined 100 people coming that have never driven in India, <laughs> that there might be some, you know, consideration given to that. That have never driven a tuk-tuk. That have never driven a tuk-tuk. Right. And that was not the case. What so happened? not only have they never driven in a tuk-tuk, most of these people have never driven in India, including myself. So what I thought was going to be just empty roads for us to meander along were roads filled with trucks, buses, cars, bicycles, scooters, tuk-tuks, cows, goats, dogs, people. Oh, my goodness. Um, every every corner, every, you know, potholes. Uh, Does the word get around, Waris? I mean, are people clearing the way? Or after there's 50 tuk-tuks coming by in one town, by the time you get to the next place, is everyone ready to receive you with open arms? Or no, people no? are not clearing the way. They, they, have, they have their life. They're not clearing the way for a bunch of crazies going through their town driving tuk-tuks. They're, 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 they're waving. and they're, it's, it's, it's such a warm welcome. You know, everyone's waving and they're laughing because you have foreigners driving you know what? What are usually taxis, right? And and so, uh, it's I think it's quite amusing 
to, to everyone to see this. Because you've decorated them also, right? Well, we, we haven't decorated, decorated them just yet. Okay. Um, we, you know, one of, the, one of the stops along the way uh, in, in the first race, we, we stopped in a small town, in a very small town, I think, you know, two streets or three, three, three main streets. And, and we were given the task or the challenge of, of decorating our uh, tuk-tuks. And then at lunch, there was a, a jury selected that was going to pick the best, uh, you know, best designed uh, tuk-tuks. And so we were given the challenge. We had an hour to go run around through this town to buy, um, you know, That's to buy so things, decorations. Fun. And it was, it, it was really fun. I had a feeling that everyone was going to go all colorful, right? Get as much shiny. It, it's India. Pink. Pink. Sequence. But as much of the shiny stuff as possible. My, um, my, my, my teammate uh, needed a backpack or something. So we stopped in a backpack store. He'd forgotten a backpack or needed another backpack. And on the floor of the shop was burlap, right, covering the floor. And, and so I, I had an idea, and I, I asked the, the shopkeeper, I like, do you have more of this burlap? And his father says, not here, but we have it at home. And so I said, how far is home? <laughs> could you, you know, could we purchase some burlap from you? And he went home, he jumped on his... Uh, uh, tuk his, his No, his scooter. <laughs> he jumped on his scooter and ran home and, and picked up some burlap for us. And we... We decorated our tuk-tuk in burlap, in in brush from the street, like covered the whole thing with brush, tied down, like but just basically off the side of the the roads. You did a whole camo theme. It did a whole camo theme. Did like an eco theme. Right, like a little decoy, like a moving decoy. You know, like those duck decoys. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So it was like it was a it was a zero waste theme, right? It was we just took what was there already. What was you know we. It was a reuse that was that burlap was used for shipping or something, and so we just reused it and took brush from the side of the road. Uh, we, I think, we won most eco. I remember at the you know the flag off. I remember everyone's excited, everyone's revving their engines, and you know we're somewhere in the middle or just before the middle, and everyone's revving their engines and, you know then flags going off and flags waving and and then everyone starts taking off and we're like it just doesn't go anywhere i'm like wait everyone's anybody got to jump literally it was like everyone was passing us everyone was 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 off to the, you know what what was what was sort of in the middle was now we were at the end and we our engine was dead and because these are these are old these are old tuk tuks they're not brand new tuk you know it's they're not brand new tuk tuks and the wiring was off on ours and so the start the start our illustrious start was um, everyone had gone already and we're still back at the at the starting line with them rewiring our tuk tuk and and then we quickly uh, commandeered another one to to get into the race. I think this is going to set you up for victory, though. This is one of those classic <laughs> feel-good narrative tropes. Oh, no, it's a disaster. The underdog. Yeah. Quickly pulls ahead. We spoke about fierce com- competition on that first one. I don't think that we, we we definitely didn't come in first, although there is no first. That's like that's the important thing to like, always remember. There is no first. But we didn't we didn't come in. And then the second time around, we made sure we came in first, even though there was no first, because the team that did come in first 
talked about it all year long. And so we, we sort of like, we have to put an end to that. You got to squash it. We got to squash that. Mm. We got we, we to squash that. We will come in first. The project ended up raising more than a million dollars, right? So the teams who were there, you need to pay money in order to participate. And then everybody, I think I read, was reading, has to raise about $15,000 in order exactly. to participate in this. I think it's 15,000 pounds. Pounds, which pounds. is, well, depending Sterling. on the year, it's yeah, good, or bad. good or bad. Uh, it was better a couple of years ago. This happens every other year. Yeah. The next one is happening in fall of 2020. Can anybody get involved? Have the in- invitations for the 100 people gone out? Well, uh, the invitations have gone out for, you know, we like to invite, you know, people that have raced previously. And then, you know, you, you can definitely put your inquiries in. Uh, there's, there's just very limited slots. Right. And the idea is you can you can just pay the 15 or raise the 15 within your community and raise more. It's not stopping at 15. I think we raised about seven, you know, our team raised about, I think, 75 or something last last year. I don't remember how much exactly. But so it's, you know, it's raise as much as you can. That's sort of the, the entry point, And you, you should definitely not stop at, at 15. After you do your driving for the day, what happens in the evenings or what happens in the breaking points? Like, can you take us through what a day looks like on the route? Absolutely. I have to say this is the most fun I've had in any of my trips in all my time. And I've been to all corners of the world to every party and every – just I've been been around, um, you know – and you can say that with pride. We're on a travel I, yeah, podcast. Yeah, it's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. fine. I've, I've, I've been around. I've had the good fortune of having been around. And this is, there's something about where you're, this is what it comes down to, where you're doing good. You know you're doing good. And that's, that's underlining everything you're doing. That is the basis of why you're there, your purpose. And, and, and so it's a, it's a grand celebration of life, right? The, the reality is, yes. Elephants are dying, but so are we, right? We're all, we're all dying. You just have to choose how you're going to go through life. Are you going to go through with that in your mind that we're dying and suffering through that? Or we're, we're dying. It's time let's to dance. Let's dance anyway. Yeah, it's time to dance and smile and laugh. And, and so, so it's, you know, we, we, we set off on the, on the rally and during the day and just driving through towns, waving to people and uh, seeing the sights and seeing rural India. And as someone who was born in India, I'm seeing parts of India that I had never seen before and never expected to be driving on those roads. That was never like on my, um, you know, to-do, uh, list. to-do list, like drive in India. That's, that is not a good idea. <laughs> that is not a good idea. And so, but you're, 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 you're driving through India and then, and then you, we, we get to, um, you know the 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 evening, and it's it's at a it's at a wonderful hotel along the way, and two of the nights it's at a tented city that gets built in in the middle of nowhere, and then it's a, a grand celebration, a big dance party, and dinner, and you know it, it's it, these things need to be celebrated properly, right? You're you're doing good, and the people that are there are all wild and crazy characters that, that need to be celebrated, that are, that are taking part of this, that are stepping away from their daily life to, to, to raise money, to be part of a movement, uh, something, something creating good in the world. So the more you do that, the more you should celebrate. That's so nice. I had, I had a girlfriend who did this a couple of years back, and I remember 
kind of coming in on Instagram somewhere in the middle of the rally and thinking, this looks insane. It looks so much fun. She was on the back of a scooter, I think, at this point, And there was a lot of tabletop dancing and maybe pillows in the desert, that kind of like vibe. It's fun. And it looked extremely um, expensive. So the organization is undertaking the role of setting this all up and paying for it with some of the funds that you guys are raising or are people donating or communities? So we have so we have sponsors. I have a long relationship with the luxury collection. And so they they we brought them on as a sponsor. And so the hotels in India were our stops. And we did a big launch party in London and so they underwrote a lot of that. And and so we definitely, you know, if you're if you're sitting there and you do marketing for a company, that's one way you can help. You know, we we need sponsors. You know, my goal is always to have as much of this underwritten, so as much of the money raised can go towards project. And so the 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 money that everyone commits to raising that you know you pay for your own flights, you pay for your you know it's it's everything everything is covered. So you know I think that's that's definitely a. a big way uh, to get awesome. cost covered. So then once you go, you're just, you're along for the ride. You don't have to think about taking out your wallet or no. changing rupees or, no. you know. Unless you want to buy something along, right. along the way. There's a great, as you can imagine, camaraderie. I mean, it is it is it is madness. And the second time it was not just tuk-tuks. We had Jeeps and old ambassadors and, and motorcycles along the way. And so the vehicles changed and the scene changed. As I said, it was from uh, Jodhpur to, to Jaipur, and it was, you know, the 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 things that you know, running out of gas along the way, and or or you know, just uh, stopping because there's 200 goats a lot, you know, the uh, on the road, and you 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 can't you, go, you can't you can't you can't go. You're you're, it is, um, it's an exercise in patience and vigilance. <laughs> like you, ha- you cannot look away from the road for one for one second. You. Can't. I've dri- uh, when I've driven in India. The first time that I did this, I you was driven in India. No, when I was in a car okay. in <laughs> India, I would drive in India though. I was amazed by the chaos that you talk about. Also, the fact that the driver said, "Looked." I got to be very friendly with the driver, and he said, "In America, you're always looking behind you when you drive." He said, "I don't understand that. Why? What do you care about what's happening behind you?" Look in front of you, and then you react to what's happening in front of you. And all this obsession with signaling, I'm turning. He said, you should just react to what in, what's in front of you. And I thought, that's a metaphor for life. But the other thing that I thought was really fascinating was, again, the cars on the road. And not and we're not, sorry, cows on the road, on the highways, right? The equivalent of in New York, you know, 495, and just cows in the middle of the road. And then I realized everybody is making room for everyone else. And everyone is finding their path. And kind of the way water will flow through and find its way, I felt for me, in India, I was like, everybody is making room for each other. That's a beautiful way to look at it. And, yeah, they they are just looking forward. It's chaos. And I think that's just a beautiful metaphor in terms of what, you know, what we're trying to do with the the, the conservation efforts, right? Trying to find a space for, for both wildlife and humans. This isn't just about some, you know, about like oh, protecting elephants because, you know, on a whim or like we need wildlife. We need those green spaces. We, otherwise, we will be living, a, the whole world will just be covered in concrete. And that's the 
that's the beginning of the end for us. Did you encounter any elephants on the rally? Oh, yeah, the Jaipur to Jodhpur one, because that's a little bit more built up. But but definitely, we, I mean, the first one we rode to Tutara in, in Kipling Camp. And so that was that was quite magical. And I think this next one we're going to en- encounter more. And you can wave to them and say, we're here for you, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> going to help you out. Can we talk about your product line yeah, for, for a bit? Is there a tie-in? to this particular conservation effort with what you are doing with House of Juarez? Yeah, we're, we're currently in conversation with uh, tea estates, some of the largest tea estates and the, the largest tea-growing companies in, in India to start to convert their estates to elephant-friendly estates, right, so that they're taking the steps and the precautions to protect the elephants that walk through their estates. And it's, it's a long process. You have to get certified. There's one university that's a kite mark that, you know, elephant friendly. So we're, we've embarked on that journey and, and trying to get elephant friendly tea, more elephant friendly tea on, on the market. So stay tuned on, on that one. Can you talk about the transition for House of Waris, which you founded more than a decade ago as a jewelry company, and now it's a tea company? In my mind, my process is exactly the same. I started House of Wars over a decade ago, and it wasn't, it, in my mind, it wasn't a jewelry company. It was a way to explore craft and artisans and objects made by hand. It was a celebration of that part of humanity, that skill set of things made by hand and what it takes, uh, the, the idea of slow fashion, the idea of, you know, our chains made a day to make, you know, we would start with a piece of gold and then and then turn it into a wire and then turn that into loops, a single chain, sing, sing, you know, I think we made two or three chains a day. It, it was just a very laborious process, but this idea of slowing down, right? And when we, when and whenever we spoke about the jewelry back then, it was always about that. It was always about the artisan, the craft, and slowing down and the the beauty of these the objects that live that that live in forever. And then when we decided to move into a different space away from away from fashion and away from jewelry. That was primarily because I, I had a slight philosophical disconnect in my work in conservation and then going to see diamond mines. This this idea of creating more, not just more taking from the land, but this creating more desire for material goods. Uh, that that didn't that didn't appeal to me. And and so I, I thought about what you know? What other? What other? Because I do like products. I do like because I believe that we, uh, the way we communicate and the way we understand things today is through, is through being a consumer. Is is through shopping. Like I, I could write a book, but that's it. Just that's there and it's gone. And then this. But if you have a consistent product that that people can relate to, and and I and I thought about that. You know the the idea that we embarked on and set forth when we started the jewelry about slowing down. I thought about what what is another product that speaks to people like that? What's another product that doesn't have the the class barriers that our jewelry did? The cost barriers. Our work went up to you know to, to hundreds of thousands of dollars with with the diamonds and the emeralds and the rubies and you know we had a piece that would take a month to make. It was art, and but I was like, but what? How could we speak to that same idea but with something that everyone could afford? And that was tea. Tea has been a part of community and culture for centuries and across cultures. And so we embarked on that journey and I started sourcing teas from, from around the world, thinking about how that, that's always brought people together, how it's a moment to slow down, it's a moment to pause. And, and that, that was a great start. And then I thought we're 
just taking a moment to pause is is nice, but we're no longer in we no longer have the luxury of that that that's enough. We're in a we're facing a crisis. Humanity's facing a crisis, and particularly us in America or you know even even in the world, but and that is there's no other way to put it than it's stress. The UN calls the stress the 21st century epidemic. 70 to 90% of doctors' visits are due to stress. 110 million people die every year due to stress, directly related to stress. And so I wanted to go further, and I, so I looked at tea, and I looked at what that was, and I looked at how people drank and how people used it, and I, and I, and I and came upon that before there was tea, you know, before it was just tea leaves, other cultures have been brewing and steeping uh, plants and herbs and working with herbs for for centuries. It's existed across all cultures. And so we expanded our view and our vision and our world to, so to no longer just be tea. And so we, the company's called House of Horse Botanicals. It's about plants. It's about things that come from the earth that can, that can, that can heal us, like from the earth for the world, right? And, and so we put a team of herbalists together and started creating blends that, that are that are functional, that are more functional than, uh, you know, all tea and all, every, you know, water is functional, but uh, that, you know, that, that use adaptogens, herbs that, that, that are a classification of herbs that help us um, fight external stressors and, and help our bo- bring our body back to balance. And so that's been, that's been an, an incredible journey about thinking about what, what we need as, as, as humanity to survive. The, you know, our time here on on the planet and not just survive, but be better. What I love about this sentiment is that even though it's a consumer good that you're making, and I also love products too, this is like the KonMari problem. It's like I, so many things bring me so much joy. Um, but it's really more of an experience that you want to help people have. And I think that's really nice. And I love that it's an accessible price point. And Pavi and I are always talking about how at Fathom, we want travel to be accessible to everyone. And we really want it to be a gathering place for people who care about experiences over things for the most part. So Warwick, we have noted that you are a world traveler and have been all over the world. So we are going to do a little speed round of travel favorites for you. Don't Ooh. overly think this. Rapid fire. Favorite cities. Rome. Where do you go to chill out? Home. Things you never travel without. A cashmere scarf. A DIY person or a have-it-done-for-you person? Both. In-flight relaxation regime. Watch as many movies as I can before I fall asleep. Me too. They're always the bad movies too. The the worst. The Hustlers. Worst. Hustlers I watched <laughs> on the plane home the other night. That's you don't have to admit that out loud. <laughs> um, places you can't believe you haven't been. Namibia, in um, more parts of, uh, of of Africa, the Skeleton Coast, the Emerald Coast, just more more in Africa. More, Vietnam, more, more. Cambodia. Where are you going next? Next is. 
is London, not Cambodia or, or the Skeleton Coast, but London, just coming back from L.A. and now London in, in a day. You stopped in New York City for a pit stop and yeah, just a, a shower. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. The best showers in New York. We do have good water here. Tell us and tell all of our listeners where we can find you and how they can support Elephant Family. Well, Elephant Family you can find on on their website, elephantfamily.org. They're open to people giving them money, they're I'm open, guessing, as a charity. They're, they're very open to people giving them money. Uh, that's how I found them. <laughs> and so they're very, they're very open to, uh, uh, to receiving donations. And you can find us if you're in the city at uh, 463 West 24th Street. That's the tea house that we just opened about two weeks ago. And if you can't wait to, you know, if you're not in the city and can't wait till you're coming to the city, you can, you can find uh, our, our blends online at houseofwaris.com. Do you have a favorite blend? I know they're all your children, but do you have a favorite blend that you could never run out of? They're, 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 they're favorite blends for different times of the day. So we made one called uh, Sweet Clarity, and that's like my favorite one for the, for the morning and afternoon. It's a smoky, it's a, it's a very smoky taste. And then for like later in the evening, instead of a cocktail, you know, we, we cold brew and make a zero-proof cocktails. And so Love Conquers All is an amazing one. It's got saffron and hibiscus and rose and cinnamon and, and Damiana Shatavari. And I could go on, but a, a few other a few other ingredients. But yeah, that's th- those two would be my favorites. I want to have a tea date. Can yeah. I have a tea date? Please, please come Please come to the tea house. We will come to the tea house and encourage everyone else to do so as well. Listen, it is always so interesting to hear you talk and so great. I wasn't kidding about the Senate campaign. I think your (laughs) taglines should be may as well dance and love conquers all. Thank you so much for being here. And as always, you can find more information about Waris and Elephant Family in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining us today, Waris. And thank you for listening, dear listeners. Thank you for having me on the show. And thank you, listeners, for giving all your money to Elephant Family. And that's our show. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe. And, you know, leave us a five-star review. Away to Go is a production of iHeartRadio and Fathom. You can find the details we talked about in the show notes and on our website, fathomaway.com. Don't forget to sign up for our newsletter when you're there. You can get in touch with us anytime at podcast at fathomaway.com and follow us on all social media at at fathomwaytogo. Please tag your best travel photos, hashtag travel with fathom. If you want to really go deep on the travel inspiration, pick up a copy of our book, Travel Anywhere and Avoid Being a Tourist. I'm Geraldine Gerba. And I'm Pavia Rosati. And we'd like to thank our producer, editor, and mixer, Marcy Depina, and our executive producer, Christopher Hasiotis. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Every family has an origin story, one passed down through the generations. Mine happens to be a mystery involving my great-great-grandmother left behind in Sicily. I'm Joe Piazza, and my new podcast will transport you to the gorgeous island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a whodunit for the ages. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.